Hello, comic creators. Welcome back to the Comics Connection podcast. Once again, I am Gamal. He is Andy. And we are here today to talk about, basically to talk about confusion. So Andy, how confused are you today? Uh, I am majorly confused as I always am. Well, fantastic. The specific confusion that we're going to be talking about today uh, is spurred by a basically a series of statements that Mark Millar, a very prominent comic book writer, made in some in efforts to kind of promote the latest comic book that he has coming out. But he made a, quite a few statements about the industry as a whole. But Andy, what I wanted to talk to you about specifically was the statements he talked when he talked about the weakness of the comic book industry, specifically in terms of the direct market. Now, we talked a couple months back and the articles that I'm gonna put into the show notes, there's an article from comicbook.com and Bleeding Cool and Comics Beat that have all kind of taken up this aspect of the story is that there's there are no sales charts in comics, which is weird because movies have the box office numbers, music has the top 10 lists, books has the bestseller list, Amazon has their list. Comics used to have kind of sales tracking with Comicron and sales and everything else. Those sales weren't accurate because they weren't going to actual readers, they were going to comic book shops, but that's not what we're talking about here. Now we're talking about the idea that since Lunar and Simon and & Schuster and Penguin and Diamond are all distributing books to a lot of different um, places. There is no one place to actually get the numbers to find out what comic books are selling well and what comic books are not selling well. So there are no sales charts numbers for comics. Now, Andy, you are a publisher who has several books coming out. How do you actually go about attempting to track and compare your numbers to numbers of publishers who are similarly situated, like your competitor? Um, my, um, it's actually a lot easier than, than you might think. Um, uh, first of all, I track my sales numbers. So I know what we're selling through Diamond. I know what we're selling through Lunar. I know what we're selling through IPG to the bookstore market. I know what we're selling through our web store. I know what we sell at conventions. So I have, I have, and honestly, that's all the data I feel like we need mm -hmm. because, um, because, uh, yeah, well, because I can take that data and go, what's working, what's not. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of competing with myself rather than going, hey, I'm CEX. I've been around for about two years. I should be competing with Marvel, DC, and Image. Like, that's unrealistic. And seeing their sales numbers really doesn't do me any good. Um, when it comes to other publishers about my size and a little bit bigger or a little bit smaller, I talk to a lot of those publishers. I just talk to them. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, a lot of us are our friends and and or friendly. And so while I don't ever ask anybody for specific numbers, you know, if I'm like, hey, is the what's the market doing for you? Or, you know, 
you know, those types of questions. And we'll talk in more generalities, but I get an idea of kind of how the market is going and, and what's working for them. Sometimes, sometimes we'll have conversations about this genre is working or this creator's doing really well or things like that. Um, and I also talk to retailers and retailers tell me what's at least, and, and it's anecdotal because it's, you know, one retailer at a time, but mm -hmm. at least I'll get some sort of a picture of not just what's selling in to the, the, to the retailers, to the shops, but also mm -hmm. what's, what they're able to move out. Honestly, most of our books, um, you know, retailers don't tend to take a big risk on our books. Like they don't order like a hundred of ours, mm -hmm. um, of any one issue or one cover. Um, so what I, what I'm hearing is that for the most part, our books tend to sell through. Um, so really that's all I need to know. Um, I can build from there. I can repair from there and I can plan from there. So I don't actually, I mean, despite the fact that we started this off with me talking about how confused I am all the time, like that's one area where I don't feel particularly confused and I don't feel like the lack of publicly available data is really that big a deal. Okay. Okay. So then the follow-up question is, do you think it's actually, is it, necessarily a bad thing that we don't have sales charts in the same way that other industries, other entertainment industries have sales charts. Well, I, I think it's fun to compare sales charts. Like I, I loved box office mojo, like back in the mm -hmm. day when it would like track week to week and it would do all these like comparisons and showdowns and stuff. I thought that was super fun, but um, would that have helped me make a better movie? Not really. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so I, I don't know. I mean, you know what, I think what all businesses do, I don't think this, this is what all businesses do, right? They try to make sure that the revenue is greater than the expenses. Like really, that's the simple equation, right? Mm -hmm. If we're spending less money than we're bringing in, we're doing all right. right? You know, and then, and then once you've got that working, which is not you know in publishing because the the margins are small like that's very difficult but once that's starting to work then you start looking about like okay how can i just increase the money coming in without increasing the the cost a ton mm -hmm. right and then ultimately i think you just i don't know you can you can drive yourself crazy looking at oh the sales charts over there seem this or you know hey you know my friend over there had a great great book you know i want to i want to say great good for you congratulations that's <laughs> awesome i don't really think it impacts you know especially when you're talking about smaller and medium-sized publishers like retailers are going to order what they think they can sell they're not you know what they order of our books and of most publishers in comics in the north american market which is something i think you want to talk about um uh isn't isn't going to make or break their stores for the most part it's a nice supplement for their stores. Um, but, um, but it's not, uh, you know, it's what Marvel and DC are doing, which is sort of the other point I think that, that they were trying to raise at one point was that, you know, when Marvel and DC tend to do well, everybody else tends to do well. And I think that there is some truth to that, mm -hmm. right. In the early two thousands, uh, when you and I were both at Marvel, maybe not because we were at Marvel, but when we were there. It was definitely because we were at Marvel. That it was, was, it was, was 100% us, yes. That was um, 
yeah, I mean, Marvel had a lot of really exciting stuff going on that was selling really well and, and, and fans were excited that's at that same time, you know, there was house of M and new Avengers and civil war and, and uh, you know, all this kind of, all this kind of stuff. And a lot of it's good. Winter soldier was then. Uh, and at the same time, DC started to, to lob out some big hits as well. They launched all-star Superman. Uh, they did, uh, they did Jim Lee on Batman. They did, um, what was that other, the infinite, identity crisis came out mm -hmm. right around there so there's just a lot of excitement going on at those two companies um they started building the infinite crisis over there and that has a, a, an effect when when fans are excited to go into the comic shop and that's a particular type of fan that's fans of that stuff they'll they'll tend to pick up some other books along the way and so to to a certain extent it does help sales elsewhere Yes. Now, and that is actually a very good segue into the other aspect of these articles. And it wasn't so much of what the articles were talking about. It's what the articles were not talking about, because the focus in the article was primarily on the weakness of the direct market, the comic book shops and how they're suffering and how the creator owned books in the direct market were also suffering and what Marvel and DC could be doing or should be doing to actually bolster that market. But the article didn't talk about the fact that the reason, one of the reasons you had a lot of drop off in the direct market is because a lot of those, the fans of sequential art are going to other places. They're going to webtoons, they're going to crowdfunding, they're going to Amazon, they're going to the bookstores. They're going to, um, there's one I forgot, manga. So if, even if you have these really like tentpole events from Marvel or DC, like they did in the early 2000s, do you think that that would have the same impact knowing that the younger demographic, the people who are 25 and under, are much more inclined to, go to webtoons or manga then go to the comic book store i mean so is it going to actually have a real effect in the the way the world is now well i think that's the the really big question is you know if with some of the trouble that we're seeing in the um in the direct market right now is is that temporary are are those younger readers coming into comic shops the same way that you know i did when i was a kid and I don't know that the answer is, you know, I don't, I don't think there's been a, I don't think we've settled on the answer yet. Um, it would be helpful if, <laughs> for the direct market anyway, it would be helpful if younger readers were excited about what was being offered in the direct market. Mm -hmm. I think it's, I think it's entirely possible that there's a bit of superhero overload in the world right now, mm -hmm. um, which makes it harder, I think, for Marvel and DC to make an impact, right? I mean, um, you know, if people are just kind of oversaturated with superheroes on TV and in movie theaters and in comic shops and everywhere else and on their lunchboxes and because people have lunchboxes still, I assume, um, you know, then, <laughs> then, then that's, then I don't know what you do about that, but, you know, the, the comics market, the direct market, those specialty hobby shops have a long history of having sales flag and then finding something else that brings them out of it. Um, hmm. 
or there's a turnaround within those companies. Like I, you know, either of those things can happen. Um, you know, there was a there was a huge resurgence at Marvel and DC. They were both firing on all cylinders in the mid 1980s. Mm-hmm. Um, X Men was just blowing the doors off over at Marvel, while uh, DC, you know, and they did Secret Wars and DC did Crisis on Infinite Earths, and they had the New Teen Titans, and they were doing Dark Knight Returns and Watchmen and like some like real seminal works, and that turned that market back around uh, mm-hmm. back then. Um, but now we've got other players that can pitch in, you know, I mean, you've got, you know, Dark Horse, Image, and IDW, and Dynamite, and Boom Studios, and CEX, because it's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they can contribute, and maybe, you know, maybe it takes, uh, maybe it just takes the right book or two to bring people in. I mean, Lord knows, Walking Dead was its own mega hit that brought brought new readers in. Just on that book alone, I think Saga did too, which is a book that one of the one of the websites, one of the articles mentions specifically. Saga did that too. You know, with these other creators, you can bring in some fans from other from other places that aren't usually going into stores. But but it is difficult to say that the comics market as a whole is struggling because you know online comics manga are doing gangbusters. You know, if mm-hmm. you're looking very holistically, you know, crowdfunding is 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 doing well for a lot of folks. So, like, if you're looking holistically at all the places and add up all the dollars, you know, being spent on comics right now, I don't know that it looks all that different than it did five years ago. It yeah. just might be spread out. It might be allocated in, in differently. Yeah, I think it seems like this is a classic example Um I don't know how many of you listeners actually read the book, um, The Long Tail, which actually suggests that the amount of, in any industry, in any market, the amount of people who are actually spending money on something is probably much larger than you think it is, but it's not all concentrated in a very small group. So in the 80s, in the 90s, when you had you know Marvel, DC, Image were the big players, that's where all the sales were. That's where the highest sales of any comic in the history of comics were. But now we have so many other publishers and so many other distribution channels that all of those readers are actually spread out over much smaller niches, much smaller companies like you know, individual creators on Webtoons. I have two or three clients of my own who they are, you know, they're moving, baseball not moving because they're, it's, it's um, Webtoon. But they have hundreds of thousands of views per month to the point where they're actually generating a livable wage off of those comics. But you're never going to hear about them from Diamond or Lunar or comic book shops. They're not going to be in Comics Beat because that's not what those outlets focused on. If you look at some of there was a there was a a crowdfunded comic last week that actually made one point five million dollars off of their crowdfunding. You don't hear about that in comic shops because it's not going to be in comic shops. But one, if any comic, any single comic sold $1.5 million worth of comics, it's a bestseller. But you're not going to hear about it. So there's all of these different places where comics are being sold and being sold at significant numbers. But because we're not really tracking it and because there it's dispersed distribution, you don't really hear about it. So if you're an independent, what I would actually suggest is figure out 
the best home for your book, whether it's the direct market or not, and then try to focus on building up that market as opposed to waiting for Marvel or DC to bring in top-level writers to put out new seminal works to get people to go back into comic shops so that your book can sell more. Because the first thing is something that's in your control. And the second is absolutely not. Does that make sense, Ann? That makes a lot of sense. Um, and I, 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 you know, I, there's also the whole thing about, you know, what's profitable and what's not. Like mm -hmm. a lot of times, you know, yeah, it'd be great to have the numbers of even a lower selling Marvel title, but they also pay uh, significantly more mm -hmm. um, for their creative just because they're using name talent that, that charges more, right? Mm -hmm. And rightfully so, like I, no argument there. But, um, you know, just going back to your your box office, you know, kind of um, comparison, you know, Avengers Endgame was like a $300 million movie to make, mm -hmm. but the Blair Witch Project cost $30,000. Mm -hmm. So the Blair Witch Project to this day is the most profitable movie of all time. And it came out 20 years ago. And so there's there's a whole lot of different ways to look at those, to look at numbers and to make things work for you. Like your your business model or how you're going about getting your revenue can can change things. We've we've changed what we've been doing or added to what we've been doing really. Um and it's making a difference. Right. And we're, you know, right now sales are down in the direct market a little bit. So we're looking to we're going to continue selling books in the direct market, but we're also looking at where else can we sell these books and where can we find new readers that that want to read the books but don't know about them yet. So mm -hmm. That's a whole lot of what this is about. And really, you know, as a as a creator who really just wants to write and edit comics and talk to fun, talented people, uh, it's really weird to be in this position, but um, but it's good. No, the, you actually bring up a very good point. It's to get your, it's one thing to get your comic into something like the direct market comic book shop. But as an independent creator, you have to kind of think, well, is the person who's most likely to read my comic, are they ever going to walk into a comic shop? Because if yep. they're not, then the fact that you got your book through a comic book shop is not really helpful to you. If your reader is most likely going to go to a scholastic book fair, and that's where they're going to be walking around to see your book, then avoiding the comic book shop altogether might make the most sense. If your reader, you know, they're going to back something on crowdfunding, then you don't necessarily have to worry about the direct market. But until you figure out who your reader is and where they are, you're basically just, you know, shooting in the dark. So to sum up, your, your sales numbers and your profit relative to your loss are going to be more important than a sales chart. And your growth in terms of your comics may not come from the direct market, but there are a lot of other places that you can have success and have growth as long as you actually understand what those options are and work them the right way. I think, is that it? Or do we have yeah, anything yeah. else wise to say? No, you nailed it. I'm pretty sure anybody can do this now. They just have to listen to this one episode and mm -hmm. then all of their, all of their business problems in comics are solved. So, yep, all of the dreams will come true. All right. Good job, come on. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, well, in that case, that's going to do it for this episode of the Comics Connection podcast. All the links to all the stories 
that we discussed will be in the show notes. If you guys have any questions, comments, criticisms, or concerns about the comic book industry that you would like us to address in our bi-weekly episodes, please also leave them in the comments. Um, so until the next time, have fun with your comments. <laughs>